Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 229 of our Sounds Atlantic podcast. Well, we'll return today to the theme of the music, culture, and history of Appalachia. But this time, we're returning to our cousins in American Appalachia, and more particularly in Tennessee, to be more specific. And we'll visit with two of the finest songwriters you'll find on the bluegrass scene in the persons of Songwriter of the Year winners, Tim Stafford and Tom Mutes. We're going to speak with them because they have a new collaborative album out they've just released recently titled Lost Voices, and I can tell you it's a gem. Tim Stafford opines that this album is a tribute to all the lost voices from Appalachia that still have so much to say, writes Tom's friend Peter Cooper in the album's liners. These songs bring American history, mountain culture, steam trains, vaudeville, race, baseball, strife and grace to technical life. Well, what's more, I'd say these songs will not only appeal to our interest and intellect, but to our love of thoughtful lyrics and memorable melodies. So if you think you'd like to hear more from these two fantastic artists, don't go anywhere. Stay right where you're to, and I'll be right back where you're at in a finger snap. Now, both of these artists have been our guests here over the past few years or so, but in case you missed these visits, I should tell you a little bit about each. Over the years, Tim Stafford has been my guest on numerous occasions on the Bluegrass and Country Music Show that I host on CKCU-FM in Ottawa, and he's also appeared here on this podcast as well. A singer-songwriter, renowned guitar player, studio musician, producer, author, keynote speaker, and lecturer in history. You just might refer to Tim as a renaissance man. I should emphasize that his song catalog is extensive, containing well over 200 songs, for which he's been recognized on several occasions as the industry's songwriter of the year. Also a sought-after studio musician, Tim has recorded with more than 75 artists, including Willie Nelson, Kenny Chesney, Marty Rabin, Jesse McReynolds, Ronnie Bowman, Larry Sparks, and a host of other terrific country and bluegrass artists as well. In addition, Tim is an award-winning guitar player, having been named the Society for the Preservation of Bluegrass Music in America's Guitar Performer of the Year. In addition, he has produced many award-winning records for various artists, including Kenny Chesney, the infamous String Dusters, Knee Deep in Bluegrass, and the Acutab Sessions that was the instrumental recording Reported, recorded performance of the year. Tim has not only taught at every music major bluegrass-oriented camp, he's also taught American history, Appalachian studies, mass communications, and popular culture, personal instruction in guitar and banjo, bluegrass traditions at several colleges and universities, including Miami, East Tennessee State, and Appalachian State University. And Tim Stafford and Carolyn Wright co-authored Still Inside the Tony Rice Story, the critically acclaimed authorized biography of Bluegrass Hall of Fame member and living legend Tony Rice. Tim also gave the keynote address at the 1994 IBMA World of Bluegrass in Owensboro, Kentucky. He's been on the IBMA Board of Directors, served as vice chair, also a member of the Foundation of Bluegrass Music, and serves on several committees of the IBMA, and he was named a Distinguished Alumnus of the Arts by the East State 
Tennessee University National Alumni Society. He released his first solo record, Endless Love, to critical acclaim and was nominated for IBMA's Instrumental Recording of the Year. And uh, his second, Just to Hear the Whistleblow, was released in July 2014, while his third, Acoustic Guitar, which we showcased here, was released in September 2017. And more recently, his fourth, one, two, three, four, fifth, we showcased his latest release titled Tunes and Ballads. And Tim Utes, he was born and raised in the rural town of Neusatz, located in the beautiful Black Forest area of southwest Germany, not far from the French border. Tom Utes was attracted to music when he was just a type growing up at a very young age, and his aha moment came when he was only 11 years old. On the other hand, by then he was already a young classically trained musician in Germany, but then one day his folks brought him along to hear outlaw legend Bobby Bear sing on a TV show, and big lights flashed in his young head. Well, that's what I want to do, he told himself, and just decided to devote his life to the music of the people. So he saved some money, won the American Immigration Green Card Lottery and eventually moved to Nashville where he soon found work touring with Nancy Griffith, Mary Gosey, David Olney, Kim Ritchie, and many more. There he built a recording studio and produced albums for Country Music Hall of Fame members Bill Anderson and Mac Wiseman. And his songs have been recorded by Nancy Griffith, John Prime, Kim Ritchie, Junior Sisk, Irene Kelly, Kenny and Amanda Smith, Daryl Webb, Balsam Range, Buddy Melton and Mylon Miller, along with Terry Bauckham. And I must confess, and of course I may be inaccurate in my description here, but when I think of the Nashville music scene, if uh, I may generalize, I think of formulas for commercial success. Not really authentic art, but a sort of pseudo-representation of art. Well, you'll find none of that here when you listen to the lyrics and music we're about to hear. What you'll find are fresh, insightful, and authentic lyrics accompanied by sensitive, complementary, and skilled implement instrumentation. Not what I normally think about when I conjure images of Nashville's commercial country music scene. Well, over Tom's career in Nashville, just to mention a couple of highlights, he's earned three nominations for the International Bluegrass Music Association's Songwriter of the Year Prize. Taught songwriting at Belmont University and has been working on a master's degree in Appalachian Studies at East Tennessee State University, writing a thesis on Grammy winner Norman Blake. And the album we'll showcase today has been, uh, well, a previous album, I should say, was uh, up for a Grammy Award. Lee Zimmerman writes in Bluegrass Today that Tom Utes has made his name as one of Nashville's most vital musicians and producers. As his friend and collaborator Peter Cooper observes, Tom is a knowing individual who taps into the people, places, and perspectives that shape the world around him, sharing both the triumphs and tragedies that unexpectedly intrude into our daily lives. Tom Newtz has become an American Roots music treasure. Not only is he a superb crafter of lyrics, he has produced more than 20 albums over the past five years, including albums by Country Music Hall of Famer Mac Wiseman, that we featured three years ago, folk legend Nancy Griffith, Grammy-nominated duo Eric Brace and Peter Cooper, and many more, all recordings at his own TJ Tunes studio just outside of Nashville. Speaking of Nashville, the late-famed singer-songwriter Tom T. Hall had this to say, 
For years, I have hoped that some young man would get off the bus in Nashville with a guitar wrapped in a cellophane dry cleaning bag and bring something new and exciting to the music scene. Well, I know that songwriters and singers don't ride buses anymore unless they own them, but as an old songwriter myself, I'm pleased that one of my wishes has come true. Tom Utes is in town, and the town is all the better for it. Now, that's about the highest praise you can find from the master songwriter himself. And joining me now to talk about all this and more from their respective studios in Johnson City and Kingsport, Tennessee, are Tom Utes and Tim Stafford. Tom Utes and Tim Stafford, what a treat. Thanks for making this time available. Wonderful to have you here to talk about a brand new album that you have out, a brand new collaboration called Lost Voices. And Lost Voices, I understand, is kind of a tribute to uh, to the to what you refer to as the voices of Appalachia. Do you guys want to talk about this? Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not. It's a lot of the Lost Voices we're talking about here are Appalachian voices, but not all of them. There's the Code Talkers, the Navajo Code Talkers, who are from up west. There's Lost Voices, the song itself, that was based on a, on a story that I heard about the Hagia Sophia, the famous church-slash-mosque in, in uh, Istanbul. So, but you're right, most of these voices are Appalachian voices, and that's just because Tim is from here and because the music we play is so firmly rooted in this place. And uh, I've had a strong fascination with Appalachia for all my life, musical and historical, and now have a little place up here, too, where I come to so yeah place makes people and people make a place and people sing about you know songs are about places and because places are made up by people and the landscape it's always about both of those things and that's tim and i are both interested in in those histories and that's where these these songs come from now tom uh, one of the things that interests me the most if you wouldn't mind uh, telling everybody including me how did you and and tim cross paths in the first place um, well, I, when I moved to Nashville about 20 years ago, I was already a big fan of Tim's guitar playing and his writing as a member of Blue Highway and, and Alison Krauss's band. And so uh, I think in 2017, our paths crossed and we started writing together. And then, um, as silly as that sounds, once the pandemic hit, that sort of worked in our favor because all of a sudden we were forced to learn that we could write on Zoom and didn't have to wait till one of us came to the other, to the, into the other's, um, part of the world. We live about four hours apart when I'm in Nashville. So, and then once the pandemic hit, we just wrote at least once a week and we wrote a whole lot of songs over the span of two and a half years. Now, I'm really curious. I, I, I have to admit, I am not a fan of Zoom. I struggle with Zoom. I, I don't like Zoom. How on earth are you two able to write songs through the Zoom process? And just just give, a, give us a feel of, of how that worked. Well, it's, you know, it, it's a uh, newer technology, of course, and it's evolving all the time. But for songwriting, it actually works pretty well, I think, because there are things that it doesn't work well with. Uh, for example, there's a latency involved where you can't do uh, any kind of situation where you play together like you would with a student, you know. Although there are people that do a lot of lessons over Zoom or you know, any kind of video internet technology, but they, they are still improving the uh, quality so that maybe one day soon it'll be exactly like sitting in a room with somebody 
as far as being able to play at the same time. Well, that's not as big of an issue when you're a songwriter because we can work on the lyrics together. And usually the way Tom and I do it, we have an idea and we start fleshing out the idea lyrically. And then we get to a certain point and we say like, well, well, what does this sound like? We have these words on paper, well, on the computer. What what does this actually sound like? You know, and so then we start, one of us will flush out a melody and the other one will say, yeah, that's cool. How about if we do this, you know, and we work on the melody part of it together as well. So there's not any playing of music at the same time. So that makes it possible on Zoom. Well, let, let's uh, let's get right into a, an example. Take takes that shot. So, as you guys say, images of any kind are, are often the starting point for songs. I was trying to think of this when I woke up this morning, and I'm thinking, well, where do where do I know a song that was motivated by a picture? And the only, the, well, not the only thing, but the quick, the quickest thing that came into my mind was a picture of me without you. Uh, so I guess. I guess that's happened before, but where pictures have motivated people. But I thought that's such a fascinating thing to happen. To tell us about how that song came about. You know, I, I'm thinking of uh, that song too that Dole Lawson did, uh, uh, "More Behind the Picture Than the Wall." Oh, right. You know, and, and uh, the Hazel Dickens song, "Just a Few Old Memories," which is really about the pictures yeah, that spur these memories. Yeah. But our song here, Take That Shot, is about uh, historical pictures and what they teach us about the culture and the images becoming part of the culture. You know, And if you think about it, some of these famous ones that we mentioned in the song have definitely become part of American culture. Uh, you know, the Iwo Jima uh, flag raising, for yeah. example, which is a sculpture. Right. Uh, that everybody knows in Washington and, you know, uh, all these things like Marilyn on Marilyn Monroe on the subway. Great. You know, uh, Stern, Bill Monroe. The thing that started, it, I think Tom can talk more about this. We were talking about a recently found picture, supposedly of Billy the Kid and another picture of Robert Johnson, which there was only one known. And then uh, his sister uh, wrote a book. Uh, and there were two other pictures that came out that she had of Robert Johnson, and he didn't look anything like this mysterious down at the crossroads guy, <laughs> you know. And Billy the Kid looked like a uh, just a, a true kid in this picture that has recently come out that is probably him, you know. And so our maybe our our perception of these people would have been very different if we'd seen these pictures, and it just shows how much power the image has. No kidding. Yeah, P- Peter Cooper writes in your liner notes, this is the first bluegrass <laughs> song to find the connection between Robert Johnson, Bill Monroe, and Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> <laughs> I always suspected Marilyn and Bill were related. But, uh, uh, Bill, would have, Bill would have thought so too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. let's, let's take a listen to it. Take that shot. We'll be right back. I came here where my brand new live I'm William Bonnie, better the kid You show me what you got It's your turn, take that shot I'm gonna travel till I'm 21 And then I'm gonna tarry some names While Bill and I'm red hot It's 
I'm filming romantic control. Father of bluegrass, cut yourself ready. Days of ragged flag, five soldiers raised. Winston Churchill in '41, a kiss the day the war was won. Elvis before rock and rolls, a pooter from grassy moon. Marilyn on the subway grid, not too soon and not too late. Take that job, it's gonna mark time. Catch them when they're in their prime. It might feel like an afterthought. It's your turn, take that shot. You'll be glad that it got It's your turn, take that shot. Hi, I'm Rick Spinney with the Spinney Brothers Bluegrass Band, and you're listening to Sounds Atlantic. Stay tuned for the finest acoustic and roots music from artists in Atlantic Canada. Sweet corn was wrapped in, in the field. All right, everybody, let's take that shot. And uh, the, the second song here, by the time I hit the second song, I mean, I know I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I thought, okay, this, this, this is my album of the year right here. I don't care if I haven't heard anything else. This is it. And I don't know, that just happens, you know, it just, it just happens. Right? What can you say? We're all different, of course, and these, this music strikes us differently, and, and I appreciate that. But, um, you know, I, I know when I'm hearing something good, I just do. I mean, if you're, if you're doing this as long as I have, it happens. And I, I love this line. I believe there's, there's good in people, though sometimes it's hard to find. Sometimes someone, someone walks your way and, and uh, gifts you with a smile. What a great line that is. It's, it's enough to keep you going for a while. Tom, you want to speak to us about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's one of those songs where I had, I probably thought about that line. Uh, probably somebody I met while I was running one morning who was, you know, just a neighbor who greeted me with a friendly smile. And I was probably in a, in a bad mood. And I went like, well, what a, what a narrow-minded thing to what a narrow-minded state of mind to be in. You know, there's always a place to be uh, uh, to be uplifted. And uh, the other image um, that that helped to write this song was I have I live out in the country a little bit um, east of Nashville, and one of my neighbors, he's a really nice guy, but if he catches you on your walk or run, he'll you'll stand there for 15 minutes, and he'll tell you give you all the updates <laughs> from the neighborhood. And there's another guy in the neighborhood who can't talk at all. He, he did, it's not a disability, but I think he had an accident some years ago, and he can't speak. And so one day I saw the two of them sitting in, in my neighbor's yard on a bench, and, and they were just very happy to be together. And one was talking all the time, and the other couldn't respond. But they both were were content to be there that way. And to me, it was just it said something about human nature. And, and I, I don't know what it says about human nature. It was just a beautiful image. And so we, we used that as a starting off point. Uh, for, for the song. So the the melody here is just 
absolutely gorgeous. Now, how just how did that happen? Oh, it's just uh, Tim picks up his guitar and plays something, and then that comes up. Really? <laughs> that... <laughs> Not always. <laughs> Man, Tim, I, 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 uh, you have the most magic. I mean, I know you have. I, I know you have a good guitar and good guitars, but this must be magic guitar. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you know, uh, I think the key to to writing is is finding uh, a melody that fits the lyric, and uh, I think that's what it's all about. When you, because there are really two things. It's a synergy of two kind of opposite things in a way, um, and the melody will help you remember a song. You know, we all know melodies that stick in your head. You know. Um, and I'm not sure that your goal as a writer is to try to find an earworm, but you do want to make something that evokes those lyrics. Oh, for sure. And if it, and if it does that, then I think you've succeeded. So the, the key is to not think too much about it. And I I really think that unconscious part of it is, uh, I've heard Tom talk about this, but it's a huge part of it. Um, you let oh, your unconscious guide you and say, "Hmm, let's maybe this wants this wants to go here, you know." Um, and then you can follow that, and it, it helps to have somebody who's as tuned into that as Tom is to co-write with, because he's he's great at both lyrics and melody. So you know, he's one of those rare cats. I never seem to be I, intrigued by 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 the by that subject, by how melody and 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 uh, lyric come together. I I just find that it's it's kind of a magical process. I mean, when it happens, when it happens the way it should happen. Well, it certainly is, but it's also something that can be to some degree degree practiced. I think Tim and I are both believers in we would like to write the lyrics first, and then when we have the lyrics done, we pick up the guitars and see what comes out first. And Tim put me in the habit of recording, because he does that, put me in the habit of recording the first thing that comes to mind after you write a lyric, because your subconscious has already worked on this melody without you doing anything for the duration of whatever long, however long it took to write that lyric. And so your your melodic sensibilities are informed by that, and that's a really important thing. I think a lot of writers are stuck on the melody when they're trying to write lyrics and they're stuck on the lyrics when they're trying to write melodies. And if you can free your, if you can separate those two and then bring them back together again, then I, you might get somewhere, which sounds paradoxical, which it is, but also as, as Carl Jung said, the paradox is the only thing that really gets us the closest to the, what we can experience as, as human beings. And that may just be the case in writing songs. I remember asking Ron Hines, uh, was a, Canadian singer-songwriter from Newfoundland. I just that that question, and and Ron said, "Look, uh, you know, when when you've done the the lyric, the the melody will just emerge out of it. That's just what happens." And I, well, I, I think you're both right. You know, I, I think it, that Tom's right when he says there's a craft to it that you can improve. Uh-huh. Uh, and and also, uh, I remember Diane Warren, who's a great uh, pop songwriter, has had so many great hits over the years. I heard her talking about songwriting for years. She didn't want to teach it, didn't want to talk about it. She said, I was afraid that if I tried to talk about it, I would lose it. And the mystery would be escape would escape me. There you go. So there is a mystery to it. Yeah. And, um, you know, 
I think that's a pretty profound thing. But she was able to talk about it. She found out that she can't explain her craft and experience the ministry at the same time. So, well, and, and take take Ron Hines, who wrote a song that everybody says is a folk song that's been around for hundreds of years yes. and is known all over the world. Yes, yes. Well, you're right. Ron said when he just before he passed on, and we were and I was talking to him about it. He said, you know, it's it's, it's so it's gone. There's more than 100 people who have recorded and sang the song. <laughs> Incredible. Here's enough to keep you going for a while. It's a beauty. One can't talk and one can't stop Come together as they walk On this hot and humid earth He's 65 alone next Friday But he's got to have it his way On this hot and humid earth It's a blessing and a curse I believe there's good in people Though sometimes it's hard to find When you almost give up faith You're about to lose your mind Someone walks your way And gifts you with a smile That's enough to keep you going for a while home to fight a war came back home and closed the door and would again for what it's worth can't kick him out can't keep him in don't care to know where he has been on this hot and humid earth whiskey flows but blood comes first I believe there's good in people Though sometimes it's hard to find When you almost give up faith You're about to lose your mind Someone walks your way And gifts you with a smile And that's enough to keep you going for a while If it ain't one thing, it's another But you're the keeper of your brother Some days it's better, some days worse On this hot and humid earth I believe there's good in people Though sometimes it's hard to find When you almost give up faith You're about to lose Someone walks your way And gifts you with a smile That's enough to keep you going for a while Someone walks your way Gifts you with a smile That's enough to keep you going for a while 
Hi, this is Irene Kelly. You're listening to Sounds Atlantic. All right, everybody, we're working our way through uh, Lost Voices, the tracks on Lost Voices, and I have the great privilege to be talking to Tom Utes and Tim Stafford about the album. And, and uh, you know, when I listen to all the tracks here, it's like you guys have become brothers in song. I mean, I'm amazed. There are times when I'm not really sure who's singing what. Um, your voices, they're almost, they're almost brother-like. <laughs> it's, well, uh, when it sounds, it sounds a little out of tune, that's me saying. <laughs> uh, no, not really. No. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going there with a thousand foot pole. That I, I'm a huge baseball fan, and, and there are many people listening in today who are baseball fans. And I remember as a kid growing up, actually, I grew up initially in New York. And so I was a huge baseball fan from the time I could see a television. And and I knew I knew about the Negro Leagues uh, and Satchel Page. I, I saw a pitch. And this is a really cool song. The Blues, the Blue Grays. Um, who wants to talk to us? Timmy, oh, I guess, I guess you would want to talk about this, would you? Yeah, I mean, I'd seen a, a newspaper article about the Blue Grays and how they were dedicating a, a historical plaque for the state of Tennessee over over in Elizabeth in Tennessee, which is where the Blue Grays were from. Um, I found out later that J.C. Augustus and the Cedar Grove Foundation were the ones who did the research to kind of rediscover the Blue Grays because they'd sort of been lost to memory. But from 35 to 55, and even before that, um, they were uh, typical of a lot of these uh, local uh, barnstorming baseball teams these are regional baseball teams that um were good enough to play even the professional teams and and the blue grays did they would do exhibitions they'd travel out and play the kansas city stars and you know different groups like that and uh and they often won they were kind of legendary in, in how good they were and uh but they also had to face tremendous adversity because it was during jim crow in the united states and they obviously had to, you know, stay in different places, drink different water fountains, different restrooms, and uh, travel at night uh, so as not to attract attention, stay in churches. You know, they, they went through a lot. But what they ended up accomplishing, and it wasn't just the Blue Grays, it was all these uh, small-town teams, was when Jackie Robinson finally broke the color barrier, he was, like we say in the song, standing on his shoulders. Yeah. of every small town thing. I really think that's true. That's a, yep. that's, that's a huge uh, part and role that they played. So it should, we, we just wanted to celebrate that because, and also the fact that this is an Appalachian town, Elizabeth and Tennessee, it's right in the heart of, of the Blue Ridge uh, down here in, in Carter County, Tennessee. And this song celebrates the diversity that's always been there in Appalachia. You know, I mean, we always think of Appalachia's mountaineers and moonshine and, you know, hillbillies, all of these stereotypes. Well, here's a black baseball team uh, that was very important to the community uh, in Elizabeth and Tennessee here in the southern Appalachians. Just a bunch of guys from Elizabeth and Tennessee. 
Far back in the sticks for the Negro League But from 35 to 55 The hottest team around You couldn't find a better show When the Blue Rings came to town Played the Kansas City Monarchs And the Philadelphia Stars The Asheville Blues Nashville Cubs, all comers near and far. Crack the bat, climb the mound, another perfect throw. Well, they took on every rival, but they also fought Jim Crow. Barnstorming baseball all across the South. In the years of segregation Until the final out Travel wasn't easy And mostly down at night They didn't know a different way But they knew it wasn't right They often stayed in churches In the colored neighborhood The white teams wouldn't play them Cause the blue-grays were too good Barnstorming baseball All across the south And the years of segregation Until the final out Chick Forney Big Red and all the other guys the best that ever swung a bat along the color line when Jackie finally broke it on the field of dreams he was standing on the shoulders of every small town team barnstorming baseball all across the south of segregation until the final out. I said barnstorm and baseball all across the south and the years of segregation until the final out. That's the Blue Grays, everybody. What a great story that is! And and the album is full of these wonderful stories, as as we're beginning we're beginning to see. One of the things that that struck me particularly about about this album are the arrangements, and um, I just love the fact that it's you've you, you, sure you have all the bluegrass instruments there, but they're not all there at the same time, and the it strikes me that, that you kind of strip this down to bear. This is what it should sound like if we're sitting in your living room or we're sitting in your kitchen. And at least that's how it come, comes across to me. So, so they're sparse and lovely and complimentary. Um, is, what, how did you guys set out to do that? Well, you know, I, I mean, we're obviously both big bluegrass fans and there's, a, there's some songs on this record that really warrant that kind of, Treatment like take that shot or no witness in the laurel but the leaves. But we're also big fans of just really stripped down old timey kind of stuff. If you think about 
you know, Doc Watson, or if you, not that it's old time, but if you think about the Blake and Rice records, and I just, we both love the sound of two acoustic guitars together, and so we wanted to showcase that, that mix of those two um, different approaches, and I don't think that they're mutually exclusive. I think they work together well on one record, and it's um, <clears throat> also for a matter of practicality, you know, sometimes it's just uh, it's easier to organize two people in the studio than five or six people, but <clears throat> mostly it's just we just went wherever the songs took us and whatever we thought the songs wanted. And we also love playing with all these other people on the record. We have our friend Mark Fain on bass, and we have our friend Tanner Rogers of the Steel Drivers on fiddle, and the great Ron Block from Alison Krauss's band on banjo, and a wonderful young musician called Sean Richardson, who's an incredible guitar player, but also a great mandolin player, and that's what he plays on this record. Yeah, it's it, it's a... It's particularly complimentary, I, I, I find. I mean, well, we'll see. You know, we'll let everybody judge for themselves here. And to do that, maybe I'll turn to uh, the ballad of Kenny Wagner. If I, if I can just quote here. Um, Dave's just died for being good. I'll die for being bad. Kenny knew what he was doing. Why did he turn bad? Well, uh, you know, we actually took the words uh, from this, a lot of the words in this song came from newspaper accounts uh, that were quotes from Kenny Wagner himself. So he actually said that. Um, and he said a lot of other things that uh, that we put in the song, like uh, doing life in Mississippi, beats death in Tennessee. He didn't say that exactly, but we paraphrased him. And uh, he was an outlaw that was, at the time, about as well-known as a lot of the the most well-known outlaws of the era, like John Dillinger and Bonnie and Clyde, but um, he was a Southwest Virginia, East Tennessee phenomenon and kind of a Robin Hood sort of character. Uh, There was an article about him in the local paper here at the Kingsport Times News, and my mom uh, showed it to me and said, and my mom's 97. Wow. She said, my grandmother. Yeah, and she said, my grandmother just loved Kenny Wagner. She said, if he... He was to come in the house right now. I'd set him down and serve him dinner. <laughs> and and he was a killer. He was a, he was a murderer. Wow. But he had this image in this area that it was like a folk legend and that romanticized elements of what he did, like being able to escape, uh, be on the run from the law. You know, uh, he was a little man sticking it to the big man, you know, sort of a Robin Hood kind of character. Um Although I don't think Kenny gave back to the poor very often. <laughs> any uh, any idea, know, Tim, why he turned bad? You know, I mean, we we kind of look at it in the song. I mean, he was raised as just a country boy out here in in Scott County, Virginia, and he did all the things that you did at that time. Like he shot, he learned how to shoot really well, and he just got in with the wrong people. He started running moonshine, which obviously in the twenties was prohibition was something that happened everywhere. Um, but he, and he got set up by a crooked sheriff in Georgia and he ended up shooting the guy and killing him. So there was a warrant for his arrest and uh, there was a bounty on his head and three cops up in Kingsport decided to collect the bounty and they even hired a hearse to take his body away. And he shot all three of them, killed them all. And they ended up taking their bodies away. So that, you know, he fell into it, but, um, you know, you don't kill all these people and it's just a accident, you know, (laughs) 
Kenny was a bad man, you know, he was a mean man. Hmm. And uh, he knew, though, by the end of his life, near the end, that he had done bad things, wrong things. And so there's definitely a sense there, even in the articles that we read, that he's he paid for his sins, you know, that he and uh, but it was just a, a story that I'd never heard anybody tell, especially hmm. in song, although there was a ballad of Kenny Wagner at one point, I think, back in the 20s. But that's sort of been lost to history. You know. Wow. True story. Here's the ballad of Kenny Wagner. My name is Kenny Wagner. I made the front page news. A hero in Scott County, if ever one they knew. I'm a poet and an outlaw, some say a ladies' man. I busted jail in Blunville, to Mexico I ran. I took off with the circus when I was just a kid. Ran moonshine in the mountains, and the only trouble is. I shot a crooked sheriff in a shootout Christmas Eve. Well, I might be a killer, but I've never been a thief. I've never once been lonesome like my company too well. And it'll serve me either way in heaven or in hell. I played the cards that I was dealt. What would you have done? Sixteen years in prison, sixteen on the run. Set up an ambush, but it's me who made him pay. Shot one through the heart and the other in the head. They bought a hearse to take my body, but it carried them instead. It gave me the electric chair, but I ran to Arkansas. Killed two brothers playing poker, turned myself into the law. Sheriff was a lady. And she took a shine to me Doing life in Mississippi Beats death in Tennessee I've never once been lonesome Like my company too well It'll serve me either way In heaven or in hell Played the cards that I was dealt What would you have done? Sixteen years in prison Or sixteen on the run Farm is hell on earth, they had me training dogs. I taught them not to follow me, that's why I wasn't called. Hoover had enough of me, and I'd had enough of him. Deep down, he must have known someday I'd pay for all my sins. Listen, all you people, don't start down a road of crime. Sent five men to eternity, and now it's come my time. Two widows and ten children, I know that they'll be glad Jesus died for being good, and I'll die for being bad Don't cry for Kenny Wagner, that mean son of a gun That two-gun desperado done paid for what he done
Hi folks, this is Tim Stafford of Blue Highway, and I'm just here for Ron Moore and his Sounds Atlantic podcast, a program that features acoustic-based music from artists from Canada's Atlantic provinces. That's Newfoundland, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Prince Edward Island. Ron's the best in the business. He was the corporal fought the Kiowa and Sioux. From Sulphur Springs to Kansas Clay. Now this next song has on it a lead singer whose voice strikes me, and I'm not from Appalachia, it strikes me as the a voice that epitomizes Appalachia. I mean, it's I've always been a huge admirer and still am a huge admirer of Dale Ann Bradley and Man, oh man, she she just uh, really captures the essence of of Callie Lou. Uh, if I could think maybe of another voice, it might be Patty Loveless. But Dana, that Dale Ann is just something else. Uh, tell us about how that all happened. Well, uh, Tim and I had written a song, Callie Lou, was based loosely on a on a book called The Dollmaker by uh, Harriet Arno, and it's uh, the story of an Appalachian family, a Kentucky family that moves to Detroit during the Second World War to find um, employment to make a, to, to to find a better way of living, but also to support the war effort. And but they're displaced; they're at this place as the people that that come there from Italy or from Japan or. And uh, so the youngest daughter never fits in, and she just feels lonely, and everybody else is making fun of her, and she gets killed in a very tragic accident. And that's sort of the pivotal scene of the book, and, and we just wanted to retell that story in song because it tells the story of so many people who moved from Appalachia to the industrial north, Bill Monroe and his brothers included, the Stanley brothers included. And we, we couldn't think of anybody better to sing that story than Dale Ann because we're both such big fans on a musical level, but also she's one of the most, one of the kindest and, and, and just warmest people that I've ever met. And uh, we asked her to come in and she nailed this in like two takes. I mean, she's just one of the finest singers in the world. And she, she lived the story, even if she, this story, even if she didn't move to, to Detroit, but she knows that these stories are in her bones. That's, that's why she can sing it with such authority without even trying. Tom, do you have an, an update on, on her condition? Oh, I texted with her a little while ago, and she seemed to be doing a lot better. She played the station in a while ago, and so oh, I think she? she's on the mend, yeah. Yeah, that's that's great news. I, 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 you know, I've had the honor of interviewing her on a number of times and meeting her in person, and, and she's everything you say she is and more. I mean, she's just an absolute gem. I mean, she just stands out, you know, her, her warmth and, and her humanity and, and her compassion her, Oh my goodness! She is one special gal. She and she and uh, and Steve Gully drove from uh, from Kentucky all the way up to to uh, to Southern Ontario here, Eastern Ontario to to do a one night concert and then drove back home. I'm <laughs> I, honest to God, I'll never forget it. Holy cow! I can still see them in the car, chatting with them in the car as they left. Oh my goodness! Holy smoke, Jesus. She and, and, and the late Steve Boy, they, they made a wonderful duo. They sure did. They sure did. They sure did. All right, here's Callie Lou. They moved from Kentucky when she was only four. Uh, Detroit to help win the war. 
Just to share a cropper's life Back in the hills Her daddy found work Pouring Michigan steel She never fit in The kids call her names You're a hillbilly girl No count anyway So she stayed by herself and talked to Cassie, her dog. A world once wide open now turns to small. She told her, you know, we'll go back in the spring when the She played by the tracks Her mother had warned her You'd better stay back But it was one place She could always be alone Away from the teasing And the scolding and home now it's supper We're working our way through through the tracks here of uh, Lost Voices with uh, Tim 
Tim Stafford and, and Tom Utes, and uh, we're, we're coming into um, a song called The Wild Atlantic Way. Now, this is one of those ones, Tom, that, uh, that kind of leaps outside of, of, of Appalachia for its story. You want to speak to us about a song that came out of, or, or is about Ross Carvery in County Cork? Yeah. Well, in, uh, in April of, or actually in May 2020, my friend Eric Brace and I, went to Ireland to play about uh, 10 days of shows. And, and the first concert was in a little small town where they had the first uh, case of coronavirus. So that got canceled. And then the next day got canceled. And we started smelling the bacon and went like, this is not just uh, a case of the sniffles. Let's, let's book our, let's change our plane tickets and get back to the United States as fast as we can. But we we couldn't leave the next day. So we ha- we were stuck in this beautiful place called Ross Carberry in West Cork and uh, for about five days in a nice little hotel right by the bay and just made the best of it and walked around and, you know, try to stay away from, from other people as much as you can in a small town in Ireland. And I was, uh, I had this, it's, uh, Ross Carberry is at, is at the end of a scenic route called the Wild Atlantic Way that runs all the way from Donegal to West Cork. Huh. And uh, I just thought it sounded nice and it described that that coastline so beautiful because it is really wild. And well, long story short, we made it back eight hours before O'Hare Airport closed down, and then the world, as we knew it, shut down for a couple of years. And and uh, but Tim and I were riding one day on Zoom, and I said, "Listen, I have this idea for a course, but I think it's too simple. It goes by the wild, by the wild, by the wild, by the wild, by the wild Atlantic Way. Is that too simple?" And he said, "No, it's not too simple." Which uh, at first I had a hard time believing, but we wrote it and. Again, Tim's gift for melody made that possible. It's, it's as simple as can be. It's just a description of walking in that landscape, going to the pub with a turf fire with my old friend who lives there, uh, Bert, and his wife. And it's just, you know, I, I have a soft spot for Ireland. I've been going to Ireland since I, since I was 18 years old and played a lot of music there with Nancy Griffith, who was a huge deal in Ireland. And so... Playing music in Ireland always feels different than playing music anywhere else in the world. And so that song is a little bit of a, of a, of a tribute to, to that. Well, it's a, it's a special place. I still remember listening to uh, uh, Blackie O'Connell, who was, who was an Illian Piper, in, in, uh, in, a, in a pub in Doolin, population 200 oh. with four pubs. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I met Michael Russell in Doolin in one of those pubs when I was 18, and he showed me a tune called The Road to Galway. He was like the all-time Irish uh, whistle player many times, but he's really a farmer. That's but he's an amazing guy. Isn't that cool? Well, here's the Wild Atlantic Way. I'll walk the cliffs by the breaking of the day. Hear the seabirds calling through the way. I will turn my face against the wind And see my old friend once again By the wild, by the wild By the wild, by the wild By the wild, little
planted Nolans with the girls and with the boys while the fire sings a joyful note strolling slowly down the narrow Soaking the gentle west cork rain By the wild, by the wild By the wild, by the wild By the wild Atlantic way Get the blue against the green It's the finest side my eyes have ever seen The tales and tunes will all remain Like the sun that's sinking in the bay By the wild, by the wild, by the wild, by the wild, by the wild Atlantic way. By the wild, by the wild, by the wild, by the wild, by the wild Atlantic way. By the wild, by the wild. All right, everybody, that's the Wild Atlantic Way. Um, All right, everyone, that's part one of our special feature interview with Tim Stafford and Tom Utes to showcase their debut album titled Lost Voices. And that is a tribute to all the lost voices from Appalachia that still have so much to say. Please do join us next week for the conclusion of this two-part tribute. And tell your friends to join us too. You're listening to Ron Moore, Sounds Atlantic. I'm Wayne Chalk from Newfoundland, the singer-songwriter with Buddy Wass's name in the Elephants. I would strongly suggest that you join Ron on a regular basis and experience the best in traditional and current musical offerings from Atlantic Canada. I mean, Ron has got to be good, right? He's got Newfoundland blood. And to hear poor Uncle John mumbling wishes to O'Neill It made me feel like everything and that's the conclusion of episode 229 of the Sounds Atlantic podcast. Hope you've enjoyed part one of our visit with award-winning songwriters Tim Stafford and Tom Utes to showcase their brand new release, Lost Voices. So do tune in next week for the conclusion of this uh, two-part feature. And I'd like to thank all of you who have taken your valuable time to listen in from across Canada, the U.S., the U.K., France, Germany, Ireland, Russia, Australia, Brazil, and Italy. And welcome also to all of you who have been tuning in from our 10 most listened to cities. They are now Yorktown Heights, New York. And by the way, folks, 
My great uncle lived in nearby Croton Falls. How about that? So another shout out to you, along with those of you from Toronto, Halifax, London, England, Sarnia, Ontario, Portland, Oregon, St. John's, Newfoundland, and Labrador, Osgoode, Ontario, Leverett, Massachusetts, and Vancouver, BC. And thanks to you new listeners who've been joining us all the way from Cape Royal, Newfoundland, and Labrador. That's home of the Ennis sisters there. Cloyne in Windsor, Ontario, Las Vegas, Nevada, Chichester, New Hampshire, Washington, D.C., Princeton Junction, New Jersey, Wave Bridge, Orpington, and Newcastle upon Tyne in England, Le Plessis Robinson, Haute de Seine in France, and Colombo, Brazil, Coohill, Ireland, and Kuwait City in Kuwait. Welcome, welcome, welcome to all of you. Wonderful to know you tuned in. Hope you'll stay with us. This podcast is supported by CKCU 93.1 FM in Ottawa. We're also hosted back 40, now celebrating 33 years in your ears. Saturdays at noon, and I'd like to invite uh, you to also tune in to VOBB 95.9 FM because Anita Best and Gary Wilton carried the podcast there as, too, there as well in the heart of Grossmore National Park, a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And a New Sounds Atlantic podcast appears first thing every Friday morning. So join us next week for the conclusion of our feature showcase of Lost Voices with award winning songwriters Tim Stafford. And Tom Hughes. And until next Friday then, I'm your host, Ron Moore, is urging you to keep on the sunny side. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you back here soon. Bye.